0: Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour.
1: I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is about, well, this one's going to be kind of about everything. Um, I might say that it's about tools, um, which is something that we talk about, the tools that you use as lawyers to produce in the production line the work that you've promised that you've marketed and sold to clients. Um, and these tools can include software and, and your physical space and desks and computers. Um, but we're going to be talking about data as a tool. That will probably lead to a lot of other conversation um, outside the range of tools. But uh, just simply excited about our guest, and we'll see where it goes. But we'll call the title today, Data is a Powerful Tool. My guest is Eric Pickering. He's the president of Tracers, um, which is a data resource company. But before we get started, I want to say thank you to the sponsors that make this show possible and for giving us the opportunity to spend this time together. Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7-365, just call 866-827-5568. Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help you grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com. Law Clerk, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers, Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. LawYaw provides end-to-end document automation for solo, small, and mid-sized practices. Save time and avoid mistakes with documents that you draft over and over again. Learn more at lawyaw.com and that's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is data is a powerful tool. And as I said, I am pleased, thrilled, excited to introduce my guest, Eric Pickering, president of Tracers, which is a data resource company. We'll be talking a little bit more about what that means and how law firms uh, can use that. But Eric is also 25 years experienced in running and growing businesses, and that's what should be really interesting to you as well. Um, As president of the consumer division of First Advantage Corporation, he ran two data business units, both US Search and the Homeowners Club. And then at Bridgewater Associates, which is the world's largest hedge fund, his responsibilities included research, data operations, trading desk oversight, and company wide security. Uh, prior to that, he's also worked at Amazon, at Booz Allen Hamilton, Procter and Gamble. Um, he's a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Washington and a Harvard Business School MBA. So you might say that he knows a little bit about business, and I certainly would pay attention. Um, with that introduction, Eric, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's really awkward to listen to you read that.
1: I appreciate it. Um, And and, uh, I I know I butchered Tracers, uh, but I I always try to find a pithy little thing to say, and I think I I always do a bad job. So before we get started with kind of the the meat and potatoes, can you just say a little bit more about what Tracers is?
2: Yeah, you bet. So Tracers is a cloud-based data research platform. So in addition to the legal vertical, we serve law enforcement, fraud examiners, collection, and and several other verticals. So we aggregate all the public records out there along with some proprietary data and bring it all together to create this sort of 360 degree view of 99% of the US adult population. So then a background screening company can use our data to determine due diligence on a candidate. Um, So that's the core of what we do.
1: Excellent. Thank you. So I read your resume, which is like really impressive. But a lot of it, like one of the concerns I had when when booking you, and I, I just, my guests should know, I clearly decided to do so. Um, but one of my concerns was like, that sounds like a lot of big business. We're talking to the owners and operators of small law firms. Can you help me relate your experience right now to the growth of a small law firm business?
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the things that I've enjoyed talking to attorneys that are running these small solo firms is I completely relate to that entrepreneurial world now. I mean, you, you know, based on my experience that you just read, I have grown a lot of businesses, but I have not been the owner operator top of the heap for everything. And it's, it's just such a radically different operating environment. So it's, as and i've been i bought tracers about three years ago so i've got three years of sort of how do i take these all this great stuff i mean i've worked at some amazing places and taken a lot of great things from what i've learned there and how do i apply it and how does that really what's important when i'm in this you know tracers is it's bigger than a you know solo law firm but it's you know it's it's not an amazon it's not some it's a it's it's a, well, I think of it as a small business so i, sure. I feel like i relate to the day to day of where you're spending your time and the pitfalls and so that's what i've been enjoying talking about
1: yeah great and i know that uh, a lot of it is relevant so that's the bu- the big business stuff that we talked about but then bridgewater and i think quite honestly myself and a lot of uh, small law firm owners aren't really that dialed into what a hedge fund does, and what what does your experience at Bridgewater particularly relate to what we're going through now, is in the economic atmosphere that we're in for small business.
2: Yeah, well, the the part that's particularly relevant is is nothing has nothing to do with it being a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people have started to follow. Ray Dalio and his principles right. of how do you run a firm and, and the principles of the leadership. So so that's the that's the part that I have found particularly relevant. And then as this sort of as twenty twenty has played out, extremely relevant in terms of I, I actually joined Bridgewater about a year before the Great Recession. So okay. I got there, yeah. settled in and then everything fell apart and it was it was really fascinating to watch how the benefits of that process. You know, the the short story I tell is, he had a a, a depression alarm that <laughs> just sat there dormant for the thirty five years he'd been running it or whatever. Yeah. But there was it was just an analytical way of saying when these indicators aggregate up to this level, set off an alarm so that people can react as though we're in a depression. And I remember that went off and I was like, what is he talking, what is going on? That just just, didn't make any sense. It seemed in hindsight, it was brilliant at the time. It felt this is crazy. Like there's, there wasn't enough going wrong to really warrant it, but it allowed. So that pre-planning and understanding how you measure your business and all, it just, all that really came to the forefront.
1: Right. And, and when uh, in preparation for the show, you mentioned Dalio's five-step planning process. Can we just like give the listeners an idea of what that process is and kind of the one we're going to focus on.
2: Yeah. The, well, the, the um, he's got lots of little steps and processes in there. Though the, the one that I really like because it's it sort of, it applies to life and applies to business. I mean, I, no. it sounds really trite and simple, but it's step one is figure out what you want to do. You have to, mm-hmm. you can pick one thing. You can't do anything, but if you pick one thing, you can accomplish it. Step two is think real hard and come up with the best plan. You can step three is find somebody credible to poke holes in that. And step four is then go work really hard and execute your plan. And step five is then to step back, look at the results, reflect on what happened, reflect on what you did well and what you did poorly. So the and then the step three is the one that is the is the one nugget that I try to pass on a lot because I feel like there's that step is often overlooked and skipped. And in particular with attorneys, they're sort of been trained that they're the ones that give the advice and it's not, it's very sort of counterintuitive to get an advisor. So it's, that's the part that I think is an interesting part to talk about. Yeah. And indeed, I mean, obviously
1: it's a lot of what I do um, with the law firms that I work with, but yeah, it's having someone credit, like you don't want someone I love that you use the word credible in there because what you don't want is somebody just to go like, oh, who do you think you are? You can't do that. You're you're too big for you. You don't want uh, somebody just to poke holes at you, but to actually be able to, with some knowledge, with some familiarity, poke holes in your plan so that you can fill them, not not to dissuade you necessarily, but so you can fill them and and make the plan stronger. Right. Yeah. And then I think it's probably what do you think about like step five, assessing and reflecting on the results? I think that's another time we're having a third party and objective person help you reflect on the results because there's sort of a confirmation bias when you're reflecting on your own results, isn't there?
2: Yeah, I totally agree that that is the step that having somebody get you out of your head and ask you questions as opposed to you trying to ask yourself questions because it's a it's a being self-reflective is something you can learn but if you're naturally not very self-reflective and open to learning from your mistakes you miss a ton of opportunity for sure
1: yeah yeah so you know you joined there i love that that the Depression alarm was going off, and i I don't think we need to get into what what all the stats might have been. I can imagine some of them, but you know, maybe the yield curve and stuff like that that we've been hearing about about a year ago as well. But we, you know, you saw that coming, and I met what you said is it was a good thing to have because we could then take action. What in this time where we're right now uncertain about. Where the economy is heading for the next year or two what what the effects of the epi- the pandemic are going to be on the overall economy, not to mention the law economy. What are some lessons that you learned from that experience back in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven that can be applied by law firms in their own businesses today?
2: The part that there was a lot of structural goodness in the fact that you set this up in advance and you you do the sort of rigorous analytical thinking to say if this situation goes this way here's what you need to do and therefore you've you've sort of laid out a framework that kicks in in a non-emotional way, so it sort of takes the emotions out of "Oh my gosh, my business is drying up, and what am I going to do?" And you're you, you sort of flounder, and you know you can't really get a good footing on which what's the direction to go. So, the summary of it is the, the hope for the best, but plan for the worst. So you know, six months ago, or however long it's been, feels like forever when this COVID stuff yeah. hit, um, and everybody just stopped. To some degree, we're in the same – it's a little bit different. It's coming back. But we're in the same place, which is you have to envision, okay, the school openings cause a huge spike again, and we shut everything shuts down again for two months. So what does that mean? And then you do that same five-step process I just talked about, which is, you know, for me, the goal is – with Tracers, because I'm obviously doing this – the goal is to first and foremost stay alive, because you're not doing any employee's any favor if you write it down to zero so that you can so you can then thrive so how do you set yourself up so you come out of this stronger than you were when you came in that's the goal and then you know picking the one two or three things that you think are the most important parts and then just narrowing shortening your planning horizon so, yeah. the, I, you know, I, I think I'm covering a lot of ground there. But
1: Yeah, what I, in fact, what I'd like to do, because I think that the, the, the planning horizon is really key, I wanna, I'd like to come back and hit on stay alive, just talk a little bit about what that can mean, thrive, and then talk about that business planning cycle. And I'd like to do that in just a second after we hear a word from our sponsors. No one cites routine drafting as the reason they chose to become a lawyer, but that's where a lot of time goes for solo practitioners and small firms. LawYaw can help you transform your existing Word documents into reusable templates with no coding required. Save time and avoid errors with intuitive features like conditional logic. Use a tool that empowers your experience and expertise. Learn more at lawyaw.com, and that's L-A-W-Y-A-W Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things for your firm. Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. And I'm back with Eric Pickering. We're talking about lessons to be learned and applied by law firms facing economic uncertainty. And Eric, before we went on break, you talked about first you have to survive and then you thrive. And you do this through this five-step method of planning that w- that we talked about a minute ago. But so let, if you don't mind, I'd like to break it down just a little bit. What do you mean by thrive and what should, I mean, by survive? And what should law firm owners and directors of law firms be thinking about as far as the survive thing? And before you answer that, I want to kind of interject just like, I've seen two schools of thought out there. I've seen, I've seen literally, I mean, it's, it's, it boggles my mind, but I've seen some law firm owners basically putting a Notice on their website or a, a a automatic answering on their phones that says basically we're closed during the pandemic. Please contact us once uh, it's safe to come out. And others that are really seizing and and seeing the opportunities that are here today. But so you know, in that context too, like what do you mean by survive for a small business?
2: To me, that one is like super super clear. It is it is a it is just a cash flow exercise. And what it really means is you really need to get your hands firmly around what that that like not just a general sort of hand wavy, you know, we make some money every month, but like what are the drivers of that? What are the things you can change, what are the things you can't change, and therefore do the math on the things you can change and again planning for the worst, where does that put you? And because that then sets up a series of decisions that you need to make Again, and speaking for myself, like it just helps me make those decisions when I know I need to do this to survive. And because, right. because it often impacts people, that's one of the biggest, obviously, expenses that can be changed. But so it's, it, is, it is purely if this plays out in this sort of worst case, what do I need to do? it's simple, but it's, it's not what uh, I'd say 90% of entrepreneurs don't have that grasp. They sort of, you know, sort of, it's generally okay. They can tell you good, bad, ugly, but not really like, here's the levers and which ones can I pull immediately or potentially pull and then reverse easily.
1: Right. I mean, I I, I kind of reacted to what uh, you said, don't ride this all the way to zero. And I think part of that is knowing where zero is, right. And then how can you move zero farther away so if you know if you're in a troubling time you know you like you said you, you there's things you can change there's things you can't change but so basically what you're talking about is understanding what's going to happen with your cash what's going to happen with your ability to operate pay your people pay your bills um and when will you run out of that and then uh, as part of surviving then figuring out what you could do to move that for that that zero farther away from today
2: a hundred percent yeah i mean it is it is uh you control your costs 100%. So if you know what you you calculate your burn rate and then you look at your revenue and you do scenarios of the, my client base and how that looks and then you can just do the math and count the number of months and then which are the big, the, the thing I wanted to reiterate was there, I said at the very end there, which is like, which are the things, ideally it's the cost. There's some costs that are just like, you know what? I should have cut that a long time ago. You know, there's lots of, everyone's kind of got those and you're like, well, now that I'm here, let me just cut that. You know, it's sort of easy. And then the next bucket is I can cut those and I can easily reverse those. And you know, that's the one you really want to stare at and try to find as many of those as you can before you get into the ones that are like sort of irreversible to us, to a sense.
1: Right. Like, I mean, shedding, permanently shedding really hard to get talent, for
2: instance. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So let's then shift to the concept of thrive. So we figured out how to survive. We pushed that zero out three months, four months, six months, a year. And, you know, using some other tools probably like, you know, PPP and, and Idle, whatever is necessary to move that off. But then it's, I think it's, it's important. It's essential to shift then into this thrive thinking. What, what should lawyers be thinking about in their small businesses to shift to thrive?
2: So there's two buckets that I, that I think are helpful to tee up for the people, which is the first is to sort of take this time to to test some theories out. So go learn. So what can you take this time to learn? So that may be learning about, so we did some things where I just switched the organization around, put some extra focus on something that we typically don't have time for because we had some time. And if we then and basically what came out of that was we were able to essentially get it to a now we can do it. It's automated and move back to the old flying formation. So we've right. just had this win. We put this time to good use. So there's there there's that sort. Or for example, in you know a tracers related example is I'm gonna get rid of my private investigators that I outsource my investigations to because in theory I should be able to save money. Let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we're gonna flip back. But you know there's that sort of bucket. And then there's sort of the revenue side of what are some, you know, in in the same flavor of what are some tests or some steps I can take towards pivoting towards into the, I mean, sort of pivoting into the tide. I mean, I think think the legal vertical is actually set pretty well up, I'm set up well for in downturns, most flavors of law practice actually go up. But how do you move towards those or how do you start you know, the, the the great one that I love is there's there's more questions than ever of this practical advice, kind of like, I just have a question, like, what do I do about my lease? Yeah. And figure out how you can offer that as a freebie, because then you're just, you'll basically have a hundred new potential clients when you come out the other end and you figure out the business model later. But, you know, it's, again, you have the time, fill it and do some tests and not just random stuff, but things you think are good possibilities.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's really great advice. As you said, I mean, we all at some points have faced periods during this where we've had a little extra time on our hands um, and as the business model shifted as the lead flow shifted and, and that's a great time to run experiments as learn as long as and again you know I love it in your five steps uh, that you that's uh, not yours, it's Dalio's, but uh, the ones that we talked about is as long as you ass- assess and reflect on the results um, and, and use them for learning, not just for goofing around. All right, so th- that's that's how we move to thriving. And then you talked about shortening you know, your business planning horizon. And I just wanted to explore a little bit. What did you mean by that? What did you mean by shortening the business planning horizon? And if you don't mind the compound question, how do you do that when you, there's so much like the horizon looks very murky? It's just there's so much unknown right now. We don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, I can't believe it. Six months later, we still don't know what it's going to look like four weeks from now. How do you plan and reduce your business horizon in face of that uncertainty?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, the only answer I have is that you have to just adjust your lens to the furthest part out that you can still stay in focus, which is like, to your point has been extremely short, you know, so I know I can do a test with taking some things in house and I'm going to do it on a, maybe you can get to a quarter now. I don't know. Maybe it's still a month, but I'm, you know, I'm setting the horizon. And the key part of that is that's then the part, you know, back to what you said, which is I'm going to assess how it's going. So you don't lose sight of this. I'm sort of, you don't become the leaf on the river of life and just whatever hits you in the face, you're going to try to give it a, you know, take a swing at it. So it's, I am not back to the quarter yet. You know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. Like I'm feeling like maybe it's time to get back to the quarter, but I've been doing monthly you know, it's a month feels like a really long time. Yeah, yeah, this, it does. In this world we're in, you know.
1: And, and I think this is really key. I mean, the way you you phrase this, the way you position it, like there are times indeed where certainty increases, and you feel like you can see. You said like you like to plan on a quarterly basis, and there are times when uncertainty seems to be maximized. So, I mean, I think this conversation is really useful for as we emerge from the pandemic and back into whatever new normal uh, we have. That you're always adjusting your planning horizon, and the, the most important part is to make a decision as to what that horizon is, and then make the plan. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that's that's right. And it's not, and you know, it's times like these where you don't even react, where you think about that question. Whereas normally, like you know, you don't even think about it because it's everything certain, so you're just doing your planning. But it's bringing that to the forefront of step zero as you're starting that process is is a great. It's a great way to say it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, 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 there's there's pandemic now, but there's political changes in every different legal practice area. There's new legislation, so there's always reasons to decrease your your time horizons and then re increase it um, based on uncertainties that are introduced in your specific business. So I think that again, it's really useful uh, now, but it's I think that's a useful advice for the long term. I think one of the things that the lawyers that are our listeners struggle with, and uh, what we're going to do is going to come to a break, but I want to kind of tease the question. One of the things that lawyers struggle with is leadership. And you know when things get confusing, when things are a little bit more uncertain, I think the, the biggest hesitation is leading into that uncertainty and being wrong. So I want you to talk a little bit about your vision of leadership in confusing times right after we hear a word from our sponsors. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, Our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code UNBILLABLE to get a $100 Amazon gift card. When you complete your next project, learn more at lawclerk.legal. As the largest legal only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7-365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. And we're back with Eric Pickering, the president of Tracers, talking about leading your team. Because you know, as, as business owners, yeah, we're certainly focused on what's going to happen with the business and the uncertainty and our worries. Meanwhile, we've got a team working with us that is facing their own concerns. And they are really look to the business owners for some leadership and to provide them some degree of certainty. So how, how can law firm owners, small business owners be effective leaders when times get uncertain and confusing?
2: my approach it's hard but it's to be even more open you know i mean i think mm-hmm. it's there's sort of a natural human uh, condition where if you're not certain then you don't want to sort of share what the plan is or whatever but i i think it's even more critical and in particular because of the tough choices that are that you're going to people are making and going to have to make as we toss and turn through this cycle we're going through, laying out that survive is the main goal so that we can all thrive is, you know, I have found that that A, people appreciate the reality of you know, it's not all roses and it's not all silence. Like, hey, look, there's here's where we're at. Here's our goals. We're gonna have to do some choices and make some choices and do some things that we normally haven't had to. And this is why. And you know, I, I've, I'm always surprised at how I don't know if the word is mature or, or um, just how capable people are of processing that when you lay it out for them, as opposed to sort of them spinning in their heads. They take it and you know they may not like it at first, but will come. To to, that makes sense. And, and they can, you know, and they can, or if it doesn't make sense, they can move on to someplace that they think does, you know, is operating differently or whatever, but you sort of get a dual benefit of that. We're in sync on this is the way to navigate through this.
1: Yeah. And I think implied in what you're saying, but I want to I think, come out and just say it is that nobody's under illusions that times aren't uncertain. In fact, I, I in my business we're actually forbidden from saying in these uncertain times. That's like <laughs> that one's done. So people are aware that you know the economy is not working the way it has been working. There are issues. Like I like said, some law firms are doing really well, and some law firm owners have been really visionary and seizing opportunities here. But keeping things quiet, keeping things to yourself, your team will spin the worst case scenarios on their own. You're not going to scare them. Uh, you're just going to provide at least some level of leadership, something to hang their hat on, and like you said, maybe they can take it, maybe they can't. But you'll do your team much bigger disservice by keeping mum.
2: Yeah the the, the part that the part that really resonates is there there is not a void; it is being filled with whatever fears and you know lack of data based you know hypothesis of what how it's going to play out. So yeah, it's not that you're they're spinning anyways. That's right. So helping them at least grasp on to here's really the way this could play out. And it's actually, maybe it's better than I thought it was going to be, or maybe it's worse, but uh, you can, you can at least get in sync on that picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's really, really helpful. And then you were talking about making the plan, like having the horizon, choosing whether it's a month or it's a quarter or it's six weeks, whatever you choose, and then making this, you know, the best laid plan, making sure you're covering for the worst case scenario, but planning for the best. In all of that, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen or that you've heard lawyers can make and do make when making business plans that you could advise our listeners not to make?
2: Yeah, I think there's two flavors. One one is just trying to bite off too much. I think there's like there's a you know, I need to have a 100-year vision and then a 10-year <laughs> and a 3, you know, and it's and it just becomes this it's not really real and pe- you know, therefore everyone sort of loses interest and it doesn't really stick. So I would I would I really advocate going super small to start with and then you can grow it. But and then the the second part is, you know, we touched on it earlier, but really doing it in a bubble without some you know accountability and another set of eyes you know those two parts um those two benefits are just invaluable and it's one of those things that i had not really appreciated or i appreciate so much more now that i am running up running a business because it's lonely at the top and they're really you get and you you just you can't get out of your head Um, Right. And whether that's, you know, I I did Vistage for a while, which is one of those, you know, you get together with 12 peers and spend a day a month. And I mean, you know, a lot of people think that was overkill. I thought it was great, you know, or you can get somebody like your organization that is just like, that's what you do, you know? And I think there's, so I'm a huge advocate of that. And then if you don't, if any of your listeners say, I still don't want either one of those, just get a peer. Everyone's got peers, somebody they respect that knows similar businesses, but non-competitive, And just start having a coffee, you know, and just, just try it, because I think once you experience it, you get hooked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What I love about doing things in a group setting like Vistage or like so many, like the group set that we run, is that you often, even though you come with your own problems and, you know, throw it out there to the group and you get really great solutions and ideas from the group... It's hearing the other people's issues and hearing the solutions thrown at them that, like, they surface things you hadn't even been thinking about in your business but are there. And uh, it, the, the, the dynamic is really useful um, in that way as well. 100%. So uh, while we get uh, towards the end here, you know, Tracers, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about what Tracers does, um, and I appreciate you giving that that level of detail like law firms use research in a lot of ways, right? They do legal research. That's not exactly what you're talking about here. What are some of the ways law firms that are working with you use data to improve their services for their clients?
2: It's peculiar to me how opaque what we do and what people provide to attorneys is to them because there's just people here, like you said, when people say research, oh, I get research. Well, that's legal research. I guarantee you right. what they're talking about. And then the other piece that goes equally important is the, you know, we call it fact research. So I love the, the saying that, you know, the law is the law. It's the facts that win the case. And, you know, so what we provide is there's sort of four buckets. You can find people that you need to find, whether it's witnesses or heirs or whatever. The second one is due diligence. You can find out about... A customer, a potential seller of a business. The third one is finding assets or information mm-hmm. about yeah. businesses and that type of um, data. And then the last one is sort of the digital footprint, which I call out separately because it's new and it's yeah. such a wealth of information that people tend not to use that. I like to just highlight it separately, but it's going in. And for every case, I'm going to go see what is being posted on social media because people will post amazing things that um, you can't believe the, the <laughs> types and flavors that is out there that can help so many types of cases. So sure, those are the four sort of product types that I like to bucket it in.
1: Cool. And I mean, I can't, I can't even think of any practice area that that wouldn't be relevant for.
2: And I think the the part about being opaque, that's probably a poor choice of words, but people, you know, we were working with a, a law professor who said like, just come create some some material so I can at least teach my students to when they walk out of here to not think that if they Google they're accomplishing their goal, you know. Because I think it's uh, <laughs> yeah. because they just they don't they don't have any training and therefore they don't really understand the the concept of what a you know a professional investigative data platform is. But the ability to log in and do all of your investigations in one place it's more efficient. So it's it's more efficient. It saves you money. It saves runs your firm. But it's also like you find that one piece that can turn a case, which is um, you yeah, that's the real the real powerful part.
1: Yeah, and do you work with with really small firms as well as larger firms?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Any we work with all size firms, and basically you can just you sort of. The plans are structured in a way that, based on what you need and what you use, we can tailor it in a way. So it's you know, there historically has been sort of this barrier of the big. Our big competitors were very draconian about here's the plan and sign up for ten years and you know, let's take it or leave it. So there's just been some real simple wins of being more customer centric that we've been able to make.
1: Great. Well, Eric, um, I'm sure that we've only scratched the surface uh, on some of these, uh, and particularly on what Tracers does. If uh, listeners want to be able to learn more and contact you um, about anything we've talked about today, um, how could they reach out?
2: Yeah. Well, anyone could go to Tracers.com, and, and and there's seems like a million pages on there, but it's all great content of, you know, in particular what kind of practice you are, and how can we help you. But if you want to, uh, if anyone wants to reach me personally, I, I love getting uh, Eric P, E-R-I-K-P at Tracers emails. And if you go to the site and you want to give it a shot, you can tell them Eric sent you and you get hundred bucks off. There you go.
1: E-R-I-K-P at Tracers.com. And otherwise, just check out the website. Eric, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you being on the show.
2: I enjoyed it. And thanks again for the opportunity.
1: You bet. And again, this is uh, our guest today has been Eric Pickering. He's the president of Tracers. Of course, I am Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The
0: views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of... Nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
1: Launch now at pli.edu/interactive or download pli's mobile app